Okay, welcome to the Everything Allergy Podcast. This is Brandon the Blue Smith, also known as Carl Rubin, or Mayor Arf, or Mr. Rubin, or Abba, or whoever you want to consider me. And we're in the midst of uh, reading what's uh, the HCCO project, which is my personal project, uh, hopefully not just for me, but that's why I'm sharing it, to create a, a metaphorical understanding of the HCCO so it can be applied in my life and then hopefully in the lives of others, or at least to be a model. Um, so we're working through, we read, we've been through the first four introductions, and uh, the first chapter was about the first tool that the HSO we're building is like a superhero made of technologies and tools. The first tool is the infinity goggles, seeing all things as good. And the second tool is going to be called the second heart. I'm going to try to read it through. There are some footnotes in Hebrew English, which I'm going to try to navigate. And do my best to explain without it, without without breaking the flow over here. And uh, so here we go. Chapter two, tool two, the second heart. Our first tool is quite essential. It gives us all that we need to approach the world with the best possible perspective and attitude. The only problem is that none of us are perfect. Who has the stamina to maintain a vision of the world where all is good? A place of immense kindness and unlimited possibility? Question mark. I assume that the answer to this question is obviously no one. But if you think the answer is yes, I would recommend putting this down immediately because you need to go no further. That's the kind of like a little kicky joke. I think I'll probably take that out. Now that we have all the honest people still with us, let's go back to work with our second tool. If the first tool reflects the kindness of the creator, that said, and our skill at appreciating this, which we call Hakar Sakov, uh, gratitude, what does the second tool do for us? Question mark. The second tool is what we need when we fail using the first one. Our goal is to see kindness in the world and then implement that in our thoughts, but also choose to action. Realistically, we are ripe for failure. The natural reaction of failure is disappointment, often leads to disgust, maybe depression. In the common parlance, a broken heart. Hence our second tool, also known as the second heart. Let's start our exposition of the second tool the same place we started the first one, where everything starts at the time of creation itself. Interestingly, the first thing that obviously created was light. However, even before the first verse in the Torah states, Bereshi's Barel came as Mr. that's the first person in the Torah. And Rashi says, he notes that, um, says Rashi, it says, Bara Elohim, so God's name as a judge, as opposed to uh, Bara uh, Hashem, Shem Havai, which is what we used to reference. So Rashi says, It came up in, in Hashem's mind, to create the world with Nibis Hadin, with the strict, with the strict rules. Rush, in Olam is kind. He said, the word, the word is not going to work like that, because people are going to fail. So he, he therefore uh, used the Mitzharachians to balance it out. Balance out, uh, he here says in the, in the Sfaria translation, but he realized that the world could not thus endure and therefore gave precedence to the divine mercy, uh, allying it with divine justice. And it is, this is what is written in Genesis 2 4. It alludes to it says, In the day that the Lord God made the heaven and earth, both, both made. We see from here that the world is really supposed to be created with what we call din, a judgment. The implication here is that law, being there, the implication being there is a law. There is a right and wrong way for things to be done in creation. So even though our first tool is all about light and love and seeing the good, our failure to accomplish the task has consequences. In this, in this, in a sense, the consequences are lingering even before the creation of light in the world itself. It happens to be, says Rashi, that the world couldn't survive like this, so he tempered the judgment with compassion and decided to get started with creation via light on the very first day. The ramifications for, all, for us as players in the game are staggering. First of all, we see that our failure is built into the system. Secondly, not only was it built into the system, but it was the foundational idea of the system itself. 
as we explore our second tool in the, in the building of the HA code, we need to know that in a certain sense, this tool is more essential than our eyes, our infinity goggles. The second heart is really before the beginning, a pre-infinity perspective. What is this perspective? It is something we call teshuva, in English, repentance, but in terms of the root concept, it means to return. The Talmud affirms this idea by saying that the teshuva was created even before the creation of the world itself. And this is the seven things created before the world. Elohim, Torah is one of them, and Shuva, Gan Eden, Gehenim, Tisi Akavod, Besamikdash, and the Shemoshal Mashiach. But for our purposes, Shuva is before creation. Let's try and take a practical example. A man comes home from work, and before he walks in the door, he remembers that his Rebbe told him to stop for a second and put on his infinity goggles. He gets prepared to be grateful and kind to his wife for taking care of the children while he goes out. He walks in the door, and his wife asks him to take out the garbage in the kitchen. His goggles fail. He gets a little frustrated because he is hungry and annoyed that there is no dinner ready. He speaks in the not most calmest or nicest way for the next few moments. He feels bad. Uh, parentheses. We can say his heart is metaphorically broken. Close parentheses. As he lapses from the consciousness of kindness. The simple, this simple momentary failure affects his confidence and his capacity for kindness. He turns his attention inward and is no longer focused on others. As his goggles come back online, they are not working like they used to. This is where the second heart kicks in. He can ask forgiveness of his wife for being a little snappy, but he can't really erase the mistake he made. Time has passed, has passed, and even if the impact of his deed or on his wife can be forgiven from her perspective, can we say that the great tool giver can erase the deed itself? Aren't we in the end accountable for our actions, seeing that in essence the world was created with judgment in mind? The great work of most of the path is just, this Rosh Hashanah quotes, he says, so that what it means is um there's literally Vishir had to shuva and shuva and return nothing was given lachotin to the sinners of the Chesed Gomer with a great amount of kindness. It would be considered when you when you uproot your will, you know, the fact that you did something, you feel bad about it. It's like the, the deed didn't happen itself. You change your mind about the deed, then it is as if the deed never happened. It is a spiritual time travel and mending of a broken heart. This tool, known as the second tool, or the second heart, just as our first tool is a reaction to Hashem's kindness, so our second tool is a reaction to His judgment. There's a little chart here. It says on the top, Hashem gives. He gives kindness and chesed, or he gives din and judgment. Our response, our response to chesed and kindness is the Kar Satov. Our response to din or judgment is teshuva. And those correspond to our tools, infinity goggles for the first tool and second heart for the second tool. Why is this tool specifically connected to the heart? It is unique that in Hebrew, that even though there is a rabbinic word for, your, for, the, for brain, which is moach, in the Torah itself, and throughout the province and writings, there is really one word used in the mind. And the thoughts of a person, a late, which is physiologically speaking, in the heart. In Western culture of the 21st century, we would often hear and understand the idea of following your heart, something like following your dreams, your passions, or intuition. For, for us, this has overwhelmingly positive resonance. Interesting, the Torah seems to tell us the opposite. Quote the verse, the Hayal Lacham Lutritis, the reason most of us, Partemos Kumiskos, the other nine of Sam, Los Hasuru, after the Vatan, after Nathan, I share a Tems and Nikolai. Look at your tzitzis, which presents the Torah and Mitzvahs, and don't follow your heart. How are we to deal with this contradiction? We could say that these two things are in opposition and you should never follow your own thoughts or emotions, as we, but I think this would be too simplistic. So 
purely a Valtaiva, someone who rushes to the kiddish table, pushing people out of the way for some cake or talent is not following the heart we need. The obvious actions which demonstrate bad mitas or clearly contradict halakha are not a, really an avenue we are dealing with. However, in our days, in our day-to-day lives, there are hundreds of decisions that need to be made. We can't always ask a rabbi or consult primary sources, so following our own hearts is a constant necessity. Also, there are areas in life which we consider rishus, permissible, where there are two choices and neither is a mitzvah or an avera. Long footnote. I think the answer to this conundrum is related to our previous question. Why does the Torah seem to have one word for both thoughts and emotions, which is late? The answer is that the ideal is that our thoughts and our emotions are unified. The metaphor of the heart is the idea that the unified relation of our thoughts and emotions should spread out throughout the whole self to make a unified person as the blood of the body takes each cell, takes each cell all that it needs to and removes all waste. Unfortunately, the bridge between the head and heart is long, but this doesn't take away the fact that in the ideal, and that is where Yisra Tov is, they are the same. So when we say that our first heart is broken due to our mistake or an avera, we are really saying that we did not live up to our ideal. We made a wrong choice, and more often than, than not, this consists of emotions overriding our, overriding our better judgment. The idea of a second of a second heart, sorry, the idea of second chances are replete throughout the Torah and its teaching. The midrash of the Torah itself began with the letter base, which is the number two in Gematria, to teach us the concept we should not look back before creation. I would argue this letter base or number two is a hint hinting at teshuva and our need for a second heart. Actually, the last letter in the Torah is a lamed, so it hints at the, at, at the heart as well. Lamed plus base is lave, and because the last letter of the word of the Torah is a lamed, and the first letter is a base, you see that the whole Torah is in the lave. Metaphorically, the Torah itself is the playing field for the heart to be transformed from the first broken heart, which is conflicted between thoughts and emotions, to a healed second heart where the conflict is resolved. This capacity for rebirth is seen in the second of the Avos, which is Yitzchak, who is based who is basically resurrected for a second life after the Akedah and through the second blessing of the Shon Ashray, which relates to this event. The Torah itself was given in two stages to Jewish people. First, the Pashtin Luke was containing the whole Torah, which was then broken, and the second set she put together the first ones in the Aaron, which is truly the heart of the Temple. We even use the phrase Yishar Koyach as a, as a means of uplifting others, and this phrase, says the Gemara, is the theme, is the, is the one that Hashem used to support emotion breaking the first tablets. The Lukos themselves, even though our sources say were human shaped, have taken on the curved top of shuls and in the imagery throughout the world to make it look like a traditional heart image. There is a principle stated by Rav that all Jewish philosophy, or better stated, the philosophy of the Torah, can be inferred from Jewish law. Halakha, literally the way to walk or the way to go, is the instructions of how we are supposed to live our life. And from these extractions of the oral Torah into practical law, we can see how, how the sages think. The sages simply translated what Hashem thinks, hence the principle above. With that said, it is interesting to note that although we pray three times a day, in a certain sense, we should be praying all day, speaking to God regularly in our own words. The actual core obligation to concentrate on our prayers is actually very limited. Even though we are obligated to concentrate on our prayers at all times, there are only two places we are obligated to repeat what we have said if we are not concentrating. One place we are obligated to have kavana, actual intention, to mean what we say and think about what we're saying is in the place Shema. And according to Rambam here, I think, one who recites the Shema but did not have the proper intention during the first verse, which is Shema Yisrael in this case, one did not fulfill his obligation. As for the rest, if one did not have the proper intention, and even if one was simply reciting the verse of the Shema from the Torah, checking it over for these for the text, um, one is obligated in the recitation of the Shema. In this case, one has fulfilled one's obligation as long as one had intention during the first verse. Um, I think that's Shokanara. Uh, the other place we require to have attention is the first blessing of the Amida, which is the Shulchan Aruch here, says, 
that one must have the proper intent for all blessings, and that one can pray in any language. And this, within this chapter, there are four points. One who prays the Amida needs to have the proper intention for all blessings, but if he is not able to concentrate on all of them, he should at least concentrate on the blessing of the forefathers, which is obvious. If he didn't have the proper intent while saying the blessings of the forefathers, even if he has the right intent for the rest of the blessings, he would return the whole, this whole whole Shimon Esrei. And the Roma says, nowadays you do not return in the case where one didn't pray with intent, because there's a fair chance that even when he returns, he will not have the right intent. Okay, fine. So the obvious question is that what is the similarity between these two things? Why would these two and only these two small sections of our prayers are we, are we required to repeat if we lack intention? The implication is that certainly that these two short sections must be extremely important. What message do they relate? I would like to argue that these two sections are relating the same concept and both have the message of the second tool. Let's start with Shema. I think the simple understanding of this is the following. Step one. The verse is telling us to listen, which implies importance. Since the message is already being delivered, so it must be that the particular phrase is important. This can be also deduced from the fact that the verse is specifically relaying that it's speaking to Israel, applying all Jews for all time. The verse then uses the two most familiar names of God and then puts them together. God who, God who is outside of time and the source of the world, and therefore, therefore the scientific source of kindness itself, is also the God of judgment, rules of nature. This seems like a contradiction since kindness and judgment appear to be opposites. However, the verse ends with Hashem Echad. At the end of the day, everything comes from Hashem, Hashem Fabaya. In the modern times, we say, it's all good. The message of Avos, as is with all blessings of the Amidah, is succinctly defined by its concluding phrase. In our case, Avos ends with Bukhata Hashem, Mogin Avraham. What does it mean that he's the guardian of Abraham? There are many possible interpretations, but I would like to explain it in the following way. Each of us, since we are heirs of the spiritual heritage of Abraham, we have at the core of our being what we call Yiddis, the Kindle of Yid, or what I would like to argue is the Yitzhakot. There's a pure point somewhere deep inside our spiritual nature that is untouched by our sins and mistakes. Therefore, when we make a mistake or commit a sin, we have to know that there is always a way back since we never really left in the first place. In other words, as we said before, in the common parlance, it's all good. The message of the first verse of the Shema and the first blessing of the Amida, both of which are the only things we are required to repeat if we do not have intention, both have the same message. No matter what pain we feel, whether from breaking the Jewish law or an actual physical or emotional pain, we have a second chance since we have the underlying framework of creation is good. The fact that there are rules, judgment, law, and pain for Jin, even though it is necessarily leads to failure, is nevertheless predictable. The strength derived from this idea is the tool we call the second heart. Now that our build, now part of our building our Yisrael was having a vision of each of the new conceptual tools we're using. The infinity goggles that we are using are, are new eyes, the nine topa, is, very, is a very easy metaphor to understand and visualize. Just imagine putting on a very special pair of glasses that will allow you to see in a different way. However, how are we supposed to imagine our second heart? I would like to suggest the following. When a soldier goes to war, he takes with him around his neck dog tags. If we were to hospital and be killed and able to be identified, these tags would identify him. I think this metaphor will work very well with our second tool. But Moshe Chaim Lozato explains in chapter 1 of Mishkil Sasharim that we find ourselves in this world which is like a battle zone. We put a modern spin on this concept just think of a video game where you play a character who, when they die, can be reborn. These dog tags are the restart button on our lives in the video game we, call, we inhabit called this world. In a certain sense, our infinite opportunities to reboot the game in a sense, a way in which we live in the image of God where, where he is defined as infinite. We have unlimited opportunities to begin again. This is our second tool, which hangs around our neck like a soldier going out to war. Our identity stamps onto the small metal plate. Interestingly, I carry my grandfather's dog tag, goddess dog language, with me on my keys, and my wife pointed out to me today that during the war, Jews who went to fight in Europe had the decision to make. In order to get proper burial, the army stamped soldiers' tags with their religion in order to know how to bury them in the event it was necessary. It was known that Nazis treated prisoners with the Jewish stamp. In, in this case, it was H for Hebrew. Not so kindly. However, for a Jew to leave to have the proper burial is, is also not acceptable. 
for a Jew, for a Jew not to have a proper burial was not acceptable. Many soldiers chose to leave the H off the the possibility of capture. Many soldiers chose to leave off the H to avoid the possibility of capture, and who knows what from their Nazi captors. The one I carry reads H for Hebrew, and each Jew has their own dog tags, their own second heart. Our goal is to do mitzvahs in this world in the void of errors. It is clear we are just destined to fail and failures with imminent death. However, we each have a second heart with our true identity on our dog tag. What do our dog tags say? Avram Avinu. With this foundation, we can be, we can be reborn, resuscitating, with our, resuscitating us with our second heart. We end the last chapter with the following chart, which I have the chart from the last chapter, which is demonstrating that there's three sets, three kind of aspects of the infinity goggles, or which is our first tool. There's gratitude, there's framing, positive framing, the glass chapel, and there's opportunities for kindness, each of those related to one of the events in the a life of Avramovino, either feeding people and teaching the Maniophysian, or arguing with Hashem about the destruction of Sodom, or looking for guests after the first meal. Since the Yeshua Tov is a work in progress, itself it's itself a process, a building to be built, not a disparate set of tools that we don't connect to each other, we can see the progression of this first tool to the second tool in the following way. First comes awareness of the purpose of creation, that of kindness, which is communicated through light and detected through our most informational sense of the eye. Second comes the rules of the game, the, how kindness can be applied, symbolized with the tablets of the law and the playing field of the heart. This framework can be seen in a myriad of ways in Jewish law. See the chart for some examples and start looking for your own. I have a long list here of uh, things that go in order of first and second, which have this theme to it. For example, the first lesson of Shema is about life, and the second lesson of Shema is about Torah, which is a, about Torah, which is Havarab, love, and loving is, is Torah, which is connected to law and judgment. The, uh, the Midah on Friday night is about creation, which is created with life, and the Midah on Shabbos morning is, is, about, is about Torah. And throughout, there's many of those. The first Baruch, I just want to ask for the second Baruch, I just want to ask for the second. The process of building our Yeshua Tov is seen above is recreated over and over in the thought process and details of Jewish life. However, this is not the end of the story. It is only the beginning. This, the question is, what comes next? I'll have compassion on my reader and give you the question. Okay, so that's the end of chapter two. I was 18 minutes. Okay, so if you made it through that, I'm very impressed. And um, I'm always looking for people to give actual feedback. So if you have, if you actually listen to this and you'd like to give feedback, I'd have to hear it. I'd have to send you the text. If you know someone who would like to listen to it, give me feedback, something, uh, anything. Have a great day.